0: Amen. So, Church, I want to say uh, also as, as we're turning to Luke chapter 2 that I'm going to be dealing this morning with believing. And so, praise God. And I don't know if you realize this, but we have those working in the sound booth. And if you would just for a minute, uh, give them a hand clap. You, you can now hear our Sunday morning sermons by podcast on our Facebook if you go to Riverton First Baptist Church Facebook and it's amazing that I've been uh, throughout the community in Pittsburgh and I went to a, a a friend that's been a friend for many years in the insurance business and he said I was just listening to your sermon Sunday morning so for all of those who come by way of podcasts in the future uh, we just are thankful to be able to put the word of God out there amen but today we'll be dealing with believing what are we believe are we believers and and I believe among the majority, we would answer yes. And so this morning I want to take a look at three specific places in Scripture of how believers were not only saying they were believers, but were living in a way that demonstrated the fruit of a believer. I will challenge you to say that even the devils believe and tremble. And so just the fact that we say intellectually that we believe may not be getting to the core of what I'm after this morning. I want to know, do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? You see, there were a day when the Puritans came to our country and their greatest fear was that there would be false converts in Christianity. They knew that the false convert would weaken the council within any region, within any congregation. And so they set up some of the orders that we see today in some doctrines and theology to prevent false converts. And so if you come for membership by way of this church, we, we do not believe that the membership has anything to do with your salvation. But we think it has everything to do with the fact that we have an ability and a responsibility to guard the congregation to some degree and at least knowing that you have come to a place where the Spirit of God has confronted your life and in that moment you decided that you would thrust yourself upon the nail-pierced hands of Christ and say to Him, You are not only my Savior, but You are my Lord. I'm going to not only be a believer intellectually... But I'm going to give to you everything that I am so you have all of me because I need and want all of you. And the only way to be this kind of a believer is to come to this place. So at times you'll see someone come forward and they'll want to be a part or a member of the church. This is not just a dotted line. This is God fitly framing his body for his purpose If you are a part here, you are a part of the bride of Christ. I'm not excluding anyone who doesn't do it this way. I'm saying to all believers everywhere, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are spotless according to his work. Amen. And she is a spotless bride that he's paid the price for. I'm just telling you doctrinally what we do in relationship to the fear that the Puritans had, that they would not have false converts. We want to know that you're saved. Amen. That you've come to the cross. That you're not just playing in an intellectual game. That you didn't just uh, do this because someone talked you into it. Because after all, if they talk you into salvation, the next person can talk you out of it. Amen. But there's an experience by way of the heart. I'd like to look in Luke chapter 2 at a believer. Verse 13. I'm not going to read vast scripture today. And suddenly there was with the angel... This is a very familiar text. And suddenly there was with the angel... A heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. At not only the conception of Mary by the Holy Spirit, this is the response and the fruit of a believer. And so you see here, there's a keyword. word. A, you know, there was not only an angel, but there was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. Now, really think about that for a minute because sometimes we come to church and the problem is we've learned how to do church. Amen? We've learned how to do church and then if we're not careful, if you learn how just to do church, then all of a sudden you're not the church. Amen? Amen? And the only way to be the church is to be this believing bride who's been spot on, faced off with the cross, and raised by resurrection power. Amen. I'm going to start slow. I've been a little sickly throughout the week. It's It's no excuse. But also I'm trying to develop a thought of believing God. You may not even feel like you're a believer. Have you ever had a week like that or a day like that, season like that? And you begin to wonder, I don't know if I'm really cut out for what I'm doing or not. Maybe you found yourself in a place of sickness and you wasn't hearing or seeing the answer as quickly as you hoped for. Maybe there's been a time in your life and you suffered great loss. And you thought maybe, you know, this just begin to be challenged. And you begin, to, ch- begin ch- to be challenged by the very faith that once you said you believed. I mean, do you have to feel it in order to know you have it? No. In fact, throughout the Bibles, great men and women who were challenged not only with believing, but standing the test during all the seasons of life. Paul the Apostle said that he gloried in his weakness. Or he gloried. Have you been glorying in your weakness? I mean, me, I, I just told you as I was giving announcements today, uh, I don't want to wear a religious mask. I don't want to be a pastor that comes to church and puts on this kind of superficial religious thing and act like I'm one notch above the crowd? Are you with me, church? I'm not going to do that. I don't live like that. The only reason I'm a pastor today is because God called me to be a pastor. Are you with me? I was a call I'm a called man to teach and preach the word of God. This is my rightful position in the church. Amen. And I've been doing this for a long time in, in many different capacities. So, amen. And there's testing ground, approving ground. I mean at nights when, when you wasn't a pastor and, and you was going, I was traveling miles after miles to treatment centers, and I was on the streets hearing the voice of God and being obedient. God needed to test the obedience of me. Me. He was testing my believing. Oh, you don't like that? You like to be tested? Huh? You ever been tested just a little bit? Now don't worry, it's not God that brings sin in your life. It's not God that brings sickness. I'm not saying that. But if you don't think the first one that called you to the battle can't back off long enough to see if you're mature enough to stand the test in the middle of the fight, then you're wrong. Amen. Corinthians said that every man comes in his own rank and his own order and there's a place in God where we don't have to be told every day what to do. And some of these basics we know to do so God could get us to the next position. Amen. 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 I know that Malachi and I, we do various chores, and, and, uh, and there were things I had to tell him when he first began to learn how to do chores. And today, there are these things I do not have to talk to Malachi about. He knows what to do. Amen. Malachi has matured. Now, the next voice is there starts to be more that comes upon his life and more that he does even in relationship to the farm. There's more that Malachi does now than he did when he first started. And I believe that's true of the nature of the saint, of the Christian. Amen. And we need to be willing. See, I didn't speak to Malachi every morning. Now, Malachi, you go water the hog. He knows to do that. I don't say, Hannah, now you clean the milk bucket now and you make sure you milk Daisy. She knows to do that. Amen. Amen. But maybe I say, guess what? In fact, Bessie's pregnant, so when I say something different to Hannah, it's not, go milk Daisy. She knows to milk Daisy. Amen? She's heard her father's voice. This is something she does every day. But if I say Bessie's showing signs of having a baby, there's something new going on, then all of a sudden she not only milks the cow, but now she's headed to the pasture to see if Bessie's... Okay, and by the way, Bessie did have a brand new baby a couple days ago. Amen? Amen? (laughs) I <laughs> Yeah, we clap about cows here because I did, amen. We've been, we're, we're a weird church like that, amen. We talk about cows. and But let's get back to what happens here is you have not only the conception uh, inside of a virgin, I'm talking about believers and what did this young lady who was a spouse to Joseph have to do? What kind of position was she in to say one thing to him, be unto me according to thy word, O God. It looks impossible, but I think I'll just believe this, amen. The Bible said she found grace, but something happened in response and that was an angel came, and a whole heavenly host, and this morning I want to talk about the host in relationship to your believing. Do we realize the great army that is on our side? Do we realize today as little Israel is so small on the map, and there's such an army gathering all around, we know what the Bible says, but do we also as believers today thank God for the heavenly host on not only Israel's behalf, but your behalf today? I mean, today, are you the kind of believer that's not nearsighted but so farsighted that God lets you see something greater than your circumstance? I mean, are you able in light of danger and all kinds of trouble and when you don't feel like you're the best believer, it's not feeling like it? Are these the moments when you need to, as I've said many times, there's only one time you'll dig your well deeper toward God, and that is when you start running out of water. Amen. You start running out of water, you'll get the depth of that well a little bit deeper and start getting a little bit more in there. And there are times when it starts seeming like it's drying up, and you don't know where you're at, and you don't feel as good as when you're in praise and worship time. And then I have to ask you the question, is God still in that? Is he still in that? Because the believer's mark... Don't you know there was a day after? Can you imagine this, really? I've got to get down here with the crowd now. Here we go. Like, here she is. I don't know if she's on the side of her bed or sitting out on the tractor's tire. Oh, there wasn't tractors, okay. But an angel comes and says, Hey, guess what? Good. i got some good news for you. This is basically... i got some good news. Hey, like, you're going to get pregnant. What are you talking about? I mean, this young lady's like... Planning the wedding? She's planning the wedding? She's a spouse to Joseph. Oh, this sounds great, but I've never known a man. No, this isn't going to be by a man. This gonna be by the Holy Spirit. Now, how's that sound? Take that to church with you Sunday. I have a praise report. Can you see Mary run off to church? Tr- huh? I have a praise report. Yes, Mary. What happened to you? Well, guess what? An angel came into my bedroom. Yeah, anyway, we're going to sing one chorus of I'll Fly Away, and then we're going to close this. Amen? But this really happened somewhere, because in response to what she said, Joseph, if he could have, he'd have put her away privately. That meant she was a real embarrassment when they went to church. Amen? But nonetheless, this lady said, she didn't say, Oh, no, we don't do it like that down at the Baptist church. She didn't say that. Well? Well? She said, be it unto me according to thy word. Whatever you're doing, God, I'm in it. Amen. If Bessie's pregnant, I'm going to go check. Amen. Amen, Lord. If you're in this, I mean, really, church? We, and I'm challenging us this morning, myself. I'm challenging myself. Am I a believer today? Am, I mean, not just for common salvation. Am I a believer in my circumstance? Am I, in my circumstance, positioning myself where I say, whatever you say, Lord, I'm going to be there. Amen? And is this going to cause a reaction from somebody who doesn't put themselves in that kind of position? Are you going to look a little odd to somebody who says, God will never do that? God doesn't do this. How would you like to tell Mary that? Mary... I mean, put her in any church you want to in America. Anywhere you want to. That morning. Or any synagogue over there in the Jewish custom. Every one of them had one eye on her the whole service, huh? And then on the way home, you know what they had been talking about? Not, I'll fly away. <laughs> Can you believe what she was talking about today? Huh? That would have really been going on. But man, in response to this believing lady that finds grace in God, a place where God can do business and speak the impossible into the life of a person that believes for the glory of God, this is big. I mean, this is huge. And so now we have a text in the Bible written about a lady who found grace, said, be it unto me according to your word, and then God decides to mark her throughout history. Would anyone dispute me that she's marked for history? Amen. If the God's writing the Bible today, is your name going to mark history? Is my name going to mark history? Think of it. Are we believing in such a way as God has such an avenue in our lives that we're able to just say, Lord, be it unto me according to Thy Word? I mean, in response to what, what God has spoken to me in prayer, to you in prayer, and as we unite and believe that and do it, it does it look impossible or is the other option that we can do what the strength of men can do and call it God and wonder why the weakness of our humanity and of our culture is built upon the strength of flesh and not the strength of the power of God. Amen. I mean, the normal thing is that Tammy comes, amen, gets prayed for, and we just, amen, we're like, amen. Now, we don't twist the arm of God in prayer, we, but, but we're here saying, look, well, I'm not making excuses for this. Because if I put myself in anyone else's position that's hurt, I need the help of God, amen? Okay, let's look at another text. Please turn to Joshua. We'll start out a little slow and then... Let's look at another believer. Joshua chapter 5. Verse 13. Chapter 5, verse 13 of Joshua. And it came to pass that when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and beheld, and there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went out to meet him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. No. I'm the captain of the Lord's host, and I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and he worshiped, and he said... What did my Lord say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Loose your shoe from off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And and now you have another believer, Joshua, that's getting ready to go do something God wanted to do. It wasn't his idea, it was God's idea. And he is a believer in what God is saying and asking a believer to do. Are you with me? And what he's asking Joshua to literally do is go over there and march around Jericho seven times. Oh yeah, don't you want to come to church and do that? This is what this believer did, huh? Like, okay, I have a praise report. Amen. And what I'm asking the church to do is go over to Jericho and march seven times in a circle and then God's going to do this thing. Wouldn't that seem kind of just weird, for really? Come on now. This is a believer. But now, all of a sudden, if you've got the angels and the host of the heavens giving glory to God that there's glory, glory in the highest. There's not peace on earth and goodwill toward men without some believing men and women in the earth to report what God wants to do. And until we put ourselves in a position to do and believe the impossible, then God can't have His way and have glory in the earth. And the Bible's true that the glory's going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. We know that to be true, but how do we get between God on a throne and people in a pew doing the will of God? If one way you do it is we put up Yourself before him, saying, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, O God. And so now you have Joshua. I like it that also as my children go, I love to watch Isaiah and faith work. They're so aggressive and they want to help dad. I'll help you, daddy. I'll get in whatever you want to do. And so here we go and I take these little tights with me and man, we may go out in the shop and, and the brooms two times as big as faith but she don't care amen She's going to help Dad. Dad, if you're in this and go sweep the barn, I'm going to sweep it with you. And so she's going the brooms, you know, three foot above her head, and she's trying to push the broom. What she doesn't know is Daddy's got her back every time. Are you with me? Like if she's trying to push the broom, then I'm going to... Little Isaiah, Ugh! He's trying to lift some. Ugh! And he doesn't know. as daddy has his back. I will get over there and make sure this works out for him. Are you with me? And this is what you have here with Joshua. Joshua is about to lead the children of Israel... The march seven times. It doesn't matter about the seven times or what walls you march around. What matters is are you a believer and put yourself in a position to do what dad's asked you to do knowing that he's greater than you are, greater than I am. Are you with me? Because sometimes it don't feel like it. On the sixth day, can you imagine all the the shoes that were, huh? Now here's what happened too. He said, take off your shoes. Now it looks weird, doesn't it? You ever see the preacher take his shoes off? He sees a man. He said, hey, you for them or us? Neither. Now, this guy's the neither. How do you like that? Well, who are you for? Are you on my side? Like, are you marching Jericho? Or are you... I hope I don't have a hole in my sock. Amen. Okay, I just was looking. Amen. That'd be bad. Have a hole. Holy preacher. Amen. (laughs) And so you've got Jericho... And he said, hey, who are you for? You look kind of big. What do you got going over here? Are you for our adversaries or for us? Neither. Or for neither one of you. I'm here to make sure this battle goes the way God said it would go. And this is the captain out of the Lord's host, the same host that gave glory to God when a lady believed something that looked impossible and then began to do the work of God. And that's how you have peace on earth and goodwill toward men is unbelievers become believers and God does the impossible with them. And what they did, it's a neither deal. I'll make sure this goes. It's just like Isaiah trying to lift... Don't you worry. You host of the heavens, you captain. Get down there and lift the weight. That's what God was doing. And then if you would, look at me at one of our final texts. Amen. I don't know. Amen. This is kind of... But do you notice what he says to him? Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. Amen. I got my shoes off. Isn't that kind of weird? I do have a hole starting in that one right there. Amen. <laughs> Amen. If you would, work your way with me to First Samuel. Let's have a little fun as we preach this morning. Are we a believer... Is God able to do the impossible? See, He doesn't ask us to do the impossible. He asks us to believe Him for the impossible. With men, it's just too much. But with God, it's not too much. Amen. 1 Samuel verse uh, chapter 17, verse 45. And, and everybody, does anyone, is there anybody in the country who doesn't know the story of David and Goliath? Probably not. Believers and unbelievers alike. If you went anywhere and you said, yep, this is going to be a David and Goliath deal, this football deal, everyone knows what you're talking about. But you see, this isn't a story. This is truth. These are not characters. These are believers. Amen. This is the solid rock truth of the Father we serve who loved us so much that He sent Jesus Christ, His Son, so He could then allow His Son to live in us and start doing... We're not doing the impossible. It's Christ alive and well in you after you've been crucified that does the impossible. And I say this for just our podcast's sake. Men are not greatly anointed individually. You're anointed if the Christ who was the anointed one lives and reigns in you. Amen. We're not one above the other. There's not degrees of how spiritual one is versus the other. The degrees come in one package, and the package was Jesus Christ into the earth. The one who had all the glory of God and took it off in humility for our sake, would then surrendered himself to the cross of Christ, bore all of our burden there, and was smitten by his Father, was then put into a grave, and when his Father raised him from the grave with his right arm he stretched him not only out of the depths of hell but in the heights of the heavens to show all of the world everywhere and all of eternity that our God does reign and is able to do exceedingly far above all we could ask or hope for amen okay I'm getting all excited before the text okay here we go uh first Samuel 17 verse 45 we have David and Goliath here we go Then said David to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord's host, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee. And I will take your head from you, and I will give your carcass to the host of the Philistines. This day unto the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. A true believer, now another believer. We had a believing young lady. God got glory out of it. Every time you have a true believer, God gets glory out of them. Every time you have a false believer, they try to get glory out of God. Every time you get a true believer, God gets glory out of them. And so you have the lady first. We know well Mary conceived... Amen, a virgin birth of Christ. I mean, 8 pounds, 6 ounces, or whatever Christ weighed when He was born. You could get all of God in that size of a package, and there it was. Amen. That's, and then the host of the heavens just started giving glory to God. And I mean, everything in town was singing. Everything in heaven was singing. And the book of Revelation kind of... I mean, we've been in that. That was the last study in Sunday school. But everything in heaven was bowing down, saying, man, the lion out of the tribe of Judah has prevailed, and here he is... Man, then you have Jericho and you've got another host of the heavens that's there on God's behalf to make sure that this battle goes exactly the way God said it would go because after all, if God is going to commit you to a battle, He's going to make sure He can get the victory for you in the battle. Amen. Are you with me? And so what happens is, is you begin to get in these situations where Christ says, follow me, and if you couldn't follow Him, He wouldn't ask you to come. How many of you know God's big enough and the faith in Christ is great enough to get you into the place you need to be so God can get the glory He wants out of you. You see, we didn't come to Christ in America so that we could just try to have the American dream. And because we've enjoyed such freedom that's quickly coming to an end, we had such freedom, the church was able to get in such a lazy state. And where they started to preach the gospel where Jesus was kind of like this, like, come to Jesus and He'll get you a big bank account. Come to Jesus and it will end all of your problems. Come to Jesus and you'll get all the American dream. That's not what the Bible says. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I better not saying Nobody would like it. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and live. Life eternal according to John 17.3. Life eternals that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. i still asking you the question before we finish the third part of our text. Are we the believers that God's asking us to be? I can't answer the question for you. It challenges my heart today. Am I the kind of pastor, the kind of believer, that if God were going to write scriptures today, write a Bible today, if he were going to do that, could he mention my name? I mean, is God able to communicate with me in prayer in a season where I jump up off a milk stool somewhere in a milk barn and say, man, Lord, be it unto me according to thy will. That looks totally impossible with men, but I know that it's possible with you and I'm going to put myself in a position for you to do whatever you need to do so you can have glory out of me. That's huge. Is that a huge thought? And like, so, here's the, what if the Bible's being written today? Is your name, right when it gets to my name, is it like, man, here's Aaron. And then it was like, I don't want it to be like Chronicles, where like, and he was an ungodly pastor. Man, there's some of the men that was like that. Like, he was just ungodly, and here's what he did, and he worshipped everything other than God, and, and then you have this last believer, and everyone knows the scenario. And so Israel's faced off with the Philistines and there's a valley between them. And, and you've all seen these pictures. And the problem is we've seen them as pictures in a story. And there you had this great big Goliath. And I was doing this. Man, I think it would be offensive. I don't see anything I can stand on properly. About this height, man, I would not stand on the piano. But at the house, I have a chair that's three and a half feet tall. And, and Goliath was about nine feet, nine inches tall. And so what happened was, is Israel, just read the text for yourself at home, Israel was down there doing battle with the Philistines, and it was all working out real good until one, twice a day, this great big guy jumps out of their camp, and they call him the champion. He's Goliath, and he lived out of Gath. Are you with me? Would you say that, Goliath? We have to do that again. Would you say Goliath. Goliath out of gas. Gath, right. Goliath from Gath. Remember that. We're going to need that. Amen. And so Goliath comes out of Gath, and he's the champion. This guy's nine feet, nine inches tall. I mean, it's not NBA. It's like two feet over the top of NBA. Are you with me? And here's this little David. The Bible says ruddy. We don't know for sure his size, but it's likely that he was just a small little guy. And so you have flesh faced off against flesh, and one stronger than the other. But the difference you can't see here is you've got a true believer with an uncertain circumcised non-believer and it doesn't matter what strength flesh is when you get in this position what matters is, is is god in this battle are you with me so maybe you're in some situations in your life now and if you were just looking at the flesh if you were just looking at the reports you'd say man this looks nine feet nine inches tall and i'm looking so little right now But see, I want to encourage you today to be the kind of believer that goes beyond what the flesh can produce, what the doctors can say, amen, what it looks like in your present situation, what it feels like, I mean, I can't believe it hardly, but David runs to this guy. In the flesh, you would never do that. He's like a little bitty. He had to be just small. They're guessing him around 16 years of age. And it said he was ruddy. That reminds me of kind of maybe like red hair, kind of freckly, kind of ruddy. Are you with me? And he's not real big. But see, what had happened was they'd been there for 40 days. Can you imagine 40 days of battle? Maybe you're 40 days of battle in your own situation. Maybe you're 40 days into this. And I don't know how it was the first day. Can you imagine the first day of fighting? Can you see the army of Israel? Hey, we got this. Yeah. we Like the football game I went to last night. Then they were all pumped up. Man, everybody's just jumping and shouting and running through the goal line until the one team gets way ahead of the other. And then the other team's kind of like, You know what I mean? No one's jumping. No one's high-fiving. And I mean, that first morning, fighting the Philistines, can you see them? Yeah, we got this! Until the champion jumps up. And this champion's nine feet, nine inches tall. Said, hey, if everybody's feeling tough, then won't you come over and fight me? That's what he literally told them. And he said, I'll make you a deal. If you'll just come over here and kill me, then guess what? We'll serve you. But if not, you're going to have to serve us. And I know one thing, there wasn't any believers among that bunch until little David shows up because they've been doing it for 40 days. I mean, can you see how bad it looked at morning and night? This guy stand up, hey, come over here. I want to fight somebody. Everyone, no, I'm not hearing the Lord in that. Right? Everyone's hearing from the Lord. Oh, Lord, I know you committed me to this battle. Amen? And then all of a sudden the champion jumps up. Oh, no, I'm not hearing God on that. No, Hey, hey don't, didn't you want to get spiritual? Yeah, well, go ahead. That guy's wanting to get spiritual with you. No, I'm not feeling real spiritual right now. I don't feel it. Huh? Are you with me? No, I'm not feeling the peace of God on this one. Uh Uh-uh. Why? Because, see, most of the time we're looking at what we can produce. Most of the time we're trying to do it ourselves and name it after Jesus. And that's the reason that Joseph wanted to put Mary away privately. He didn't produce it in her. He didn't produce it. And because he didn't produce it, if he could just get rid of it, it'd been easy. But it wasn't. Because you could, no matter what you think. And Julie used to do this to me. Here we go. Uh, Baby, I think I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And it's mostly like, we're pregnant. I never understood that. (laughs) See, when she was pregnant, we were pregnant. Are you with me? And people would say that, like, as I went places, like, hey, I hear you all are pregnant. And I'm like, no, I'm doing... I'm doing prayer. You know what I mean? but the, And I know what they're talking about. Like, you're going to have a bait, right? And then she would do this. Like, hey, we're, gonna, we're praying in the, Don't tell anybody. Mm, okay. Don't tell anybody. And then in about three months, like, is it okay if I tell somebody? Because there's something showing up. There's, like, is it... Honey, uh, is it okay now? You know what I mean? And then for like... Okay, yes, I just wanted to tell my mom all right, baby, though no, we did this. Amen. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, but anyway, what I don't know how Joseph and Mary did it. I mean I'm sure she wasn't wanting to tell either, right? And I know Joseph wasn't wanting to tell because first thing they thought was, You adulterer? I mean, what we'll take we're not doing your wedding in this church, right? Huh? okay, let's get back on David. And here's David. I mean, if all of Israel could have seen a way to kill this giant of a fleshly man, all of them would have went and done the victory. Would have done the victory march and went right over there and punched, socked the guy right in the nose or whatever, and the show would have been over with. But they didn't. And so little David, and he says, Hey, who is that dirty Philistine that he mocks the armies of the living God? What? And you know the only thing they can think of? Somebody's got to die. Might as well be this little guy. Amen? They're like, hey, you need to tell Saul what you're thinking. So he runs over. Yeah, I know I can kill this guy. He said, because a lion and a bear came and got after one of my sheep. And when I, I grabbed him by the beard, and God got the victory for me over him. He had enough faith and simplicity. He had been keeping his father's sheep. And I mean, sometimes you get in where you're at, and you need to be enough a believer to look back where God killed your adversary. Amen? And maybe all the way to the cross of Christ, because my worst enemy was always me. Nobody else, just me. And I know where he killed my enemy at. And David said, I can do this. So he goes over and Saul dresses him in the coat of mail, the helmet of brass. The whole, you know what weighed 166 pounds? The coat of mail weighed 166 pounds that Goliath wore. This guy was big. And you know what David says? I've not proved myself. What he meant was, Saul, if this won't work for you and your guys for 40 days, don't dress me in this religious garbage. Amen. If you're too scared to go after the giant in your life. Amen. So see, we wasn't looking for something in the natural to defend yourself against a natural attack. But David walks up, and do you notice the text that is here? He said, "You come to me." and he ran at Goliath. And Goliath, like, am I a dog? You're going to send a kid out here to die?" Like, this guy's just little. I'm a man of the flesh. Do you know that he had six fingers and six toes? The people out of Gath had... He was a man six, six, six all the way around. He had six fingers, six toes. He's a man of flesh. He's going to produce it by flesh. But David... You see, David's a sheep keeper. If you'll get with me for a minute, we'll wrap this around some scripture. That's the difference between Cain and Abel. One was a tiller of the ground. The other was a keeper of sheep. And you've got to be careful of one who keeps sheep. Jesus said, I am the true shepherd. Amen and he knows how to instruct one to keep sheep and they kill the adversary when he gets in the way. Amen. And David gets there and he said, I, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but something comes out of his mouth next that causes everything to change in this battle. But I, can, can you see him not walking, but he's running down the hill. The Bible says, I didn't, the Bible says he ran. He ran for this guy nine feet, nine inches tall. And when he gets there, he said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I'm coming at you with the Lord of host. And can you see it with me church? I just told you the host sang over the very virgin that was conceived that said, Be it unto me according to thy will. The captain of the host was there before the walls of Jericho came down making sure the battle would go the way of God. But in this day, can you see I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Can you see every angelic host of the heavens begin to pull swords out of the sheath and lightning go everywhere across the heavens. And God say to him it's not about a stone out of the River, but make sure the stone goes right into the forehead of that giant. I don't care how little he is. I don't care how he's run. You make sure it kills the giant. Amen. And this little guy said he all it said was he slung it. He slung it. That's it. It may not even went the right direction, but that thing when it come out of that little sheath, boom and wham, and kills the giant. I have to ask you, are you a believer? Are you believing this kind of stuff? Is this just a story? Are these just stories? Or can we apply this to our life? And say in the day we live in, when we know natural Israel is surrounded on every side, and the best Gog and Magog's coming from the north, whether you like it or not, and we know that there's a second coming and a bride that's been paid for by the blood of Christ that's spotless, are you a part of this believing company and what is God asking you to do? I don't know. But I'm challenging you. Is there areas that you give up in? Is there areas in your flesh that you say, I don't see any natural way this can happen. This is an area where God needs His host to go to work. And I'm not trying to be weird. I'm telling you the truth. In the second chapter of Genesis, He created the heavens and the earth and the host of them. I could show you throughout in Acts. I could show you New Testament and Old Testament. The host of the heavens are very real. Now I'm not trying to Get weird with that, but I am saying this. Why don't we get weird with at least believing God for something that's more than we can do and produce with our own intellect? I'm worn out with men and women who say they just believe what they can comprehend. I never comprehended salvation. He found me when I was a beggar in the dunghill. Man, I'm the preacher to my. I'm a preach myself happy. That's what Paul said. He said, "If God's right in the Bible today, does He count me a believer?" I know we've been working on a crusade in Pittsburgh, Kansas. And I know that some hear a voice and others just say it thunders. I realize there's a difference. When God spoke one time in the text, some said they heard the voice of God and others said it thundered. They didn't hear anything. I'm saying there's awakening. I'm saying there's trouble coming on a country. Not because it's the United States of America, but because it's an unbelieving country. It's a country who spits in the face of the cross, in the face of Christ. It's mocked the very work that established it. Amen. Amen. I stand with the believers. How's that? Oh, he's ruining the reputation. You're going to have your reputation ruined if you're going to be a believer in the day we're headed for. Are we believers? And what are we believing for? Is it doable by you? Very rarely did God give things we could do and try to paint His glory on it, but over and over He did something only he could do and I know that I know situations because i 'm pastor in this church, and many of you are looking at your life and you 're looking how it looks like it's totally undone and I speak especially to marriages and and some of the 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 trouble that's been there and resides there. I mean, I see it it, in the whole congregation. I can just see multiples. I'm not speaking to anyone individually. I'm speaking to everyone as a whole here today. There's nothing more important that we can invest in than our homes. And the church is never stronger than its home. Amen. And I know that some of you are holding on for your life. And it doesn't look like it's going well. It looks like, you know, that if it goes the way that so-and-so that called you, the way their deal went, then yours is going to end up in destruction. But I want to speak to you today and say, would you just be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? And when God raised him from the dead, that meant that there was a strength there that could raise your circumstances that look as though they're dead into life. And I want that to be your strength. And I know that it hurts and you don't feel like today, maybe that your situation looks clean and neat. And you know that you are guilty and guilt's having a great big fight in the corner with grace. And it looks like sometimes that guilt's winning and you don't know how to react to it. But I'm asking God that he'll just dig into you and, and let you see that his grace is so much bigger than your guilt. That his grace is truly greater than our sin and that He needs to free us, but we need to get free for sure. We need not just hear that we're free, but we need to get the kind of freedom that releases us to be the believers that march in the land and give glory back to God. And I know this is powerful. I see some of you speaking directly to your life, but, but where are we with being believers? Do we just say that, yeah, I believe in Jesus because I go to church, or, or in this situation, God, can you really plow me? I mean, this morning I don't feel that great. I haven't felt that great for a few days, but it doesn't make any difference. Are you with me? Like I still know things to be true, I know that God spoke something. I believe there's awakening that God's going to have so much glory in this country. We've never seen such revivals we're going to see in the days ahead. And God protected Israel through all the plagues. He will protect you, make no mistake. But we're going to have to adapt ourselves into the posture of prayer and hear something from God so we know for sure it was Him. So this voice then can guide and direct you when you're in the wilderness and you're unsure. And they're going to say to us, church, lo, Christ is here. And lo, He's there. But the Bible warned us, don't. Don't go here and there. That's not going to be Him because He will come with the host of the heavens and they will break the eastern sky and plow every cemetery that's on the face of the earth and they will all come to this place that we know to be true. But today I'm just asking you, will you agree with me to be the kind of believer that in your pain you reach out to God and at the end of this service and we're going to begin to... Amen, I I'm giving an invitation now. This is grandparents' day, by the way. Yeah, come on up. Come on up, praise team. This is grandparents' day, and man, the grandparents, what an influence and maybe in your life you you have children or grandchildren or or maybe they're friends, and man they 're looking up to you and this is grandparents' day and and you know nobody 's exempt from this message, and I know that the many that i 'm speaking to here that are grandparents, you have sown such tremendous fruit in in the lives of the children, but But what if today God just moves it up a little bit farther and you start? There's some believing that goes on that's just a little bit greater than it's ever been. And that you're going to finish your course in such faith, amen, believing what was true in God. Maybe they couldn't see it next to you. Maybe the ones you drink coffee with can't see it. But you're going to need to see it, and it's for the sake of your children and your grandchildren. He did it from Abraham to Isaac and then to Jacob. I guess I come humble this morning, and I say, "Lord, I believe." But would You help my unbelief? Because I know how my carnal mind fights. I know that my thoughts are not Your thoughts, and that at times my ways are not Your ways. God, I need You. Would You help my unbelief? Would You help me where I'm not seeing on Your behalf? Will you help me where I'm selfish? Will you help me with my fear? And Lord, I know I'm out here on the edge. I know it. I know I'm on the edge in faith. I know I'm out here. Man, I know you're in it, God. And I need you before I grab this broom that's bigger than I am. I just, I need to know that you've got the handle and that there's a whole host in heaven And there's captains of the host to make sure this is going to go the way you said it would because to me right now it don't look like it.